Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Happy Tuesday, Dr. Paul. How are you? I'm doing fine. Yeah. I'm trying to get psyched up for our very important meeting and get together with our supporters. I know. Coming up pretty soon. I'm leaving today, hitting yeah. the road. <laughs> and you're flying American Airlines or United or which one? I'm flying Kia Van Airlines. <laughs> Driving well, across the country. That's why you needed an extra day. Exactly. It takes you a day and a half for the drive. Huh? Uh, well, more than that. It's, it's 23 hours of driving, so I'm not going to do it solid. Oh. Otherwise, uh, that'd, yeah. be, that'd be problem. Yeah, I used to love that, yeah. <laughs> driving, but I don't as much. And you're probably in the middle. <laughs> I like it. I like seeing the country. It's, it's, an, interesting, it's an interesting country. Okay, we're going to start off today with a subject we've talked a lot about, I can't believe it, and it's all about the same theme. There's a confrontation going on, and of course there's military confrontations between our governments and other governments you know, with China and Russia and Ukraine and all this. But uh, this is a, is a confrontation, uh, you know, with, uh, uh, with the military-industrial complex. And, uh, and how that works, and the hawks in Congress. So the headline today in Politico, Politico of all places, yeah. there's every once in a while something pops up on the progressive sides uh, out of memory, you know. Oh, oh, they're against corporate welfare and all this stuff. But anyway, the headline on Politico is Biden administration to ask Congress to approve $1.1 billion arms sales to Taiwan. Taiwan. Well, these, these are sales. I, I don't think this is, they don't write a check exactly, but I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's payoff to the corporations, a payoff to the military industrial complex. And a lot of times it's export import bank. That's yeah. something we haven't very often talked about, but they get there. Uh, no, they pay the bills, but we loan them the money and, uh, and, and it's not, uh, as I recall studying that, uh, th there was a lot of uh, not paying back those loans. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so it is, it's a tax on the people. And besides, uh, it fits into our next topic and we'll in a second talk about that. And that is where are the weapons going? Yeah. Boy, we must be the most protected country in the world. But now they're suggesting maybe there's a shortage among uh, all this, uh, expenditures uh, but the people who seem to be doing quite well and this is nothing new to our audience and that is the military industrial complex they are doing quite well and it looks like no matter what happens no matter how dumb the policies are and how extreme it is no matter how, how the debt is and how much potential danger that they build that's that's something people talk a little bit about that but that's probably the the worst part of all this the greatest danger of uh, of a war so these are arms sales to taiwan and i don't imagine china's uh, sort of happy about that i don't think they're drinking coffee uh, with the uh, arms inspectors i think so this this is uh uh, this I don't think for a minute this wouldn't, wouldn't pass because there's going to be a strong coalition, uh, even though the, the Republicans and the Democrats really hate each other. Yeah, uh, they'll get together. The approval will come. We'll probably hear about that within a week or so. Yeah, let's put up that first clip because we saw it. Politico, of course, but it's via antiwar.com that we saw it today. And Biden to ask Congress to approve $1.1 billion in arms sales for Taiwan. And there are two things about this, Dr. Paul. That's why it's like a perfect storm. Number one, it's all about poking China. We're going to send more 
anti-ship, anti-air uh, missiles to Taiwan. Obviously, those are aimed at China. That's the whole purpose, is to aim them at China. So one, to poke China. We've had delegation after delegation go through, starting with Pelosi's big delegation, uh, going through Taiwan, being increasingly boisterous toward China, and now we're going to sell them weapons. So one, poke China, make China our enemy, push China into the arms of Russia, which we've done a good job. <laughs> and number two was propping up the military industrial complex, because this money is not a sale from the United States. It's a sale from Lockheed Martin and Raytheon, et cetera, et cetera. So it's all about, and you, I remember you've talked about this when we were in the congressional office when you opposed these arms sales, because basically you socialize all the costs. All the R&D is on the back of the American workers, uh, all of the uh, bribing, all of the lobbying, everything like, all the costs of producing these weapons are borne by American citizens, but all the profits are reaped by the corporate uh, entities, the military industrial complex, the Beltway bandits. So it's really the worst kind of corporatism. Uh, there's another word for it, the F word, but I won't use the F word on this show, but it is a corporatism. But one would say, well, you know, we draw up contracts with these uh, the companies and they have to live by these contracts and spend so much money or they can get into trouble. Yeah, they do that all the time. And then there's this thing called cost overrun. I, I don't know how many weapon systems, it's been an interesting project. How many times did we build a major weapon sister, system without going over the original agreement and original cost? They're always overrunning. Think of the airplanes and submarines and aircraft carriers. They never, they just never built any of that within the original budget. And of course, uh, you know, realistic, they also built into it. They, they might put into the contract. Oh, we'll take care of the cost overruns, <laughs> and then they create the inflation, and all of a sudden, you know, they adjust it. It's a, it's, it's a racket. Yeah, Don't tell anybody I said that. It's a racket. <laughs> well, let's put up this next one. This is a very lively commentator. Hu Shijin uh, is a journalist in uh, China who's, who's always very colorful and very to the point. He makes a great point here, uh, and this is underneath the announcement, the tweet that, that uh, we're going to sell $1.1 billion to Taiwan. Shijin says... When it comes to the Taiwan question, the U.S. president is very much like the sales manager of a big arms dealer. <laughs> he could say that not just about Biden, but about his predecessor, his predecessor, etc. The one thing about this, and I, I mentioned it earlier, Dr. Paul, is that these congressional dele delegations go over to Taiwan and become increasingly confrontational. There was even a member of Congress standing on Taiwanese soil saying Taiwan is an independent country. Now, you and I might scoff, say you can say whatever you want. You can say, you know, I'm a potato or whatever. But the fact is that these words have meaning there, as if some foreigner would go to California with a lot of guns and saying that California is Mexico. Uh, but the question is, she may say that, this member of Congress, but what's the end game? What's the goal? What is the benefit to the United States of her going there and poking China, irritating China, making China angry by saying that Taiwan uh, is an independent country. You know, it, these people are not patriotic. They're, they are undermining our security for zero benefit. Right. You know, if, if we had a visit there which was diplomatic and had nothing to do with this strategy and, and the potential wars that might, might evolve, but, uh, you know, under a more mild situation and you don't want to say dumb things like that, I don't know why uh, they would be offended by saying, 
Well, may, maybe the problems you can have uh, could be solved by self-determination. That means each side can work it out or something. Yeah. And, and that at least would soften it, but to come up with this, and you know, here, here it was like they didn't understand what the policy really was, but that's hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe one maybe. or two, maybe, <laughs> maybe one or two at the top level didn't know what it was, but they had sort of had an agreement that, uh, that yes, there would be uh, a, a two-party two a, a two system, but uh, we, we weren't going to go to war over it. Now it looks like somebody wants to go to war over it. But they may not know, Dr. Paul, because I remember your famous story about a very, very prominent member of Congress saying to you, you mean we're not on the gold standard anymore? <laughs> and I won't say this person's name, but this congressperson is now even higher than she was <laughs> before. The other, the other issue about this, Dr. Paul, and let's put on this next clip from Zero Hedge, is the issue of moral hazard. Because we prop up Taiwan with weapons, we wink, wink, implicitly give them support, we say they're an independent country, it emboldens them to do things they wouldn't normally do, which in turn threatens to draw us into their fight, which is not our fight. And here's something that came out on Hedge today. U.S. stocks sink after Taiwan fires at China drone. So the Taiwanese defense ministry uh, fired at a Chinese drone. You might say big deal, but they feel emboldened, I think, by this implicit U.S. backing. And then again, you see, and here's the journalist again, who Xi Jin, let's put this one on if you can, issuing a warning to Taiwan to stop shooting at their drones. He says, I advise the Taiwan troops not to shoot blindly. It's better to throw stones. If you shoot a drone that ordinary people play with, then that's that. But if you shoot the PLA's drones, you may trigger a war. So a warning, an escalation, uh, for what real purpose? We shouldn't be emboldening Taiwan. We shouldn't be involved at all, but we certainly shouldn't be emboldening them with the implicit idea that we're going to come to your aid because we're not. We're not going to fight China. We're not going to go to nuclear war with China over Taiwan. We should just say it. Just like Ukraine was not going to be in NATO. Just say the obvious. You know, it was it, well, while I was in high school that I f first became aware of foreign policy and all because one of our teachers was redrafted. He had been in World War II, redrafted and sent over to Korea. Unfortunately, didn't come back. But uh, Korea is interesting because I remember the debate and I think one of the reasons why I knew what was in the news is I delivered newspapers and they actually had headlines that <laughs> gave me some information. Wow, those and, are good And my old dad days. would listen to the radio. You know? <laughs> so well, I did have, I, it did uh, I get my attention. But I remember the back and forth discussion. Um, you, you know, when uh, MacArthur went in there, he, he was bold and he says, you know, things were moving, they were about to be pushed off the peninsula. And uh, MacArthur had success and he was moving along and he was about to take over you know take back all the territory and uh, he uh, when he when he did this uh, they said well as long but people worried they say what if China gets involved? Oh no, they're not going to get involved because we're going to the Yalu, Yalu River. Yeah. I guess what? We won't cross that and we won't bomb them and all this stuff. But uh, maybe somebody did drop a bomb. Maybe there was a false flag. But who knows? But, so all this victory, they were about to, they'll all be home for Christmas. Yeah. You know, and it was all a farce. And it was, it was just the beginning of it. And we lost a lot of people there. And they're still, I think technically we're still at war there. You know, I don't know whether the final piece has yeah. ever been so signed, but it, it just seems so foolish. And now, now we're doing it again with, with the Chinese, uh, you know, with Taiwan. And it seems like, uh, uh, 
the best thing for us, our national security, our finances, and for world peace, and not to have too many of these uh, activities that are unpredictable, is for us to just stay neutral and stay out of there. Don't sell weapons to them, you know. And, but uh, what would we do about the military industrial complex? Yeah. They're a powerful force. They're a force for good, you yeah. know, and, and they will provide the weapons to defend us when the Chinese finally get too close for us. <laughs> well, speaking of the weapons to defend us, Dr. Paul, bad news. We don't have any more. Let's put on this next clip. This was a Wall Street Journal that's been written about in other places. The Ukraine war is depleting U.S. ammunition stockpiles, sparking Pentagon concern. Now, the thing about this is there are so many angles to this, Dr. Paul, that are interesting. The first, just in terms of the numbers, well, there was about $40 billion authorized. I think about 13 of those have been appropriated to, uh, to be spent on specific weapons for Ukraine. And what the claim is now that we have sent so much stuff over there that we're actually getting low ourselves. And on one hand, I mean, you can criticize this on any number of levels. A, you could say how dumb it is to send so much stuff over there to this war across the other side of the world to the point where we don't have enough. But the other point you can say is this is, is this really um, some kind of a cry from the military industrial complex saying we have a chance to get some more money? Yeah, I remember even when a liberal Democrat was running in 1960, I believe it was, and uh, a, a Democrat, and he wasn't supposed to be pro-war later on he became uh, uh, he was more pro-war than we thought of course I'm talking about about Kennedy and his statement at the time I heard it on the radio so much is there's a missile gap there's yeah, a missile gap yeah. he he ran on that constantly and he totally neutralized the Republicans because yeah. they, 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 he he outdid it but that's the kind of trickery that is so disgusting in politics you know is to demagogue issues and and uh, we get involved in wars we shouldn't be involved and people die you know and uh, and and money is spent and the real harm done the the injury done to the families that you never even hear about and plus all the consequences of uh, the money spent and taken away from the people through taxation the inflation that I have it's it's endless but they never seem to want to seriously talk about uh, change, changing the policy. It's the same old thing that we have this moral responsibility. You, I, I saw one statement in there that what we're, uh, what the uh, Taiwan, Ty uh, what the Taiwanese are doing, uh, the, the, the Ukrainians are sit there shooting 3,000 missiles a day wow. <laughs> in, into, into to stop the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> it's not working that well. Well, the thing is, if we, even if we take this on, the, on face value, Dr. Paul, that everything they say is just very, very accurate, that we've given a ton of weapons to Ukraine, and now we're running low on weapons, and it's affecting our readiness. Um, what does that say? First of all, it says that either the Pentagon is criminally stupid, you know, because if you give away all your toys, all your guns, and you don't have any left, and the bad guys come, then you're in trouble. Or they're traitorous, right? Because obviously if the U.S. is left undefended, as is claimed, and their job is defending America, well then that doesn't sound very patriotic to me. Or, you know, the other thing is really an admission, this is where I would come down on the side of, this is an admission implicitly by the Pentagon and by the people in the military, defense, industrial complex, that there really aren't any threats to the United States. The job of the military is to protect the United States, continental United States, and if they felt there was really a legitimate threat, 
to our country, they wouldn't have given away all the weapons. So I think that's the real truth. They know there's no threat, so there's no downside. Give all the old ones out, let's buy some new ones, build a new mansion in McLean, everyone's gonna be happy except us. I agree with you. We don't have an enemy that's about to march in, but we, we do have an enemy. There is a real threat. It's the people that's running our foreign policy, and that's not just one person. I mean, it's uh, both parties and all the corporations, all the nonsense going on. That is what's th <coughs> threatening the people. So that's where the real tragedy is. <coughs> So, uh, you know, in Afghanistan, uh, we, they talked about weaponry. We left a lot in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, and the Taliban has it. I, yeah. What are they, the second, second country now that has we in weaponry? Yeah. So, but, you know, the weapons end up either being used against us, and I kept thinking that they probably are saving up these weapons. If we're running out, maybe if we offered to buy them back. <laughs> <laughs> That's an idea. <laughs> we'll buy them back from you. From they do uh, that in the inner cities, right? We'll buy back your guns. Yeah. We could do that with Ukraine. Uh, We'll give them a, a gift card, chilies or something, <laughs> you know, send us your missiles back. I think that's a great idea, weapons buyback from Ukraine. Everyone will be happy. Well, we're going to move on to our last <coughs> little topic, Dr. Paul, and this is one a little closer uh, to what you've been talking about. And you notice this, this is, came out from the Daily Bell via Zero Hedge. I haven't seen anything from the Daily Bell in a while. It's nice to see them. They used to be a lot more prominent. But this is about the, uh, the corporate media respects the science and wages jihad against natural medicine. I know this is near and dear to your heart. Yes, and, and this is systematic. They know what they're doing. And you'd think it was overkill. I, I even think that occasionally Fauci accidentally says things, you know, oh no, they just, they just quoted him from a, a different period of time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know, natural immunity is very, very good. But anyway, it, it's known. To, to be able to achieve what they did, by canceling out the whole concept of natural immunity. I think, though, the truth is smoldering out there, and I think it's growing. But this, this article points out how, how systematically they advertised, you, you know, just the stupidity of vitamin D. Yeah. And, uh, and, and also uh, how important the vaccinations were. But it just seems like uh, the way the American people are reacting right now, the people are reacting more sensibly. It's just too bad that they were misled for so long these last several years. And that, that, so I, I think in, in some ways people are waking up. But it's, it goes to show, though, the very first thing I words I think came out of your mouth was the military-industrial yeah, conflict yeah. and profiteering. Yeah. There's still, as long as there's profits there, cost overruns and all the lying about the foreign policy and all the play on 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 uh, patriotism. You know, you, oh, uh, you're not patriotic. You don't even care about the army. <laughs> you keep wanting to send them to war. Yeah, and then they get, then they get come home alive. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I didn't do medicine uh, for you on the Hill. That was Norm Singleton. But I remember you used to uh, host several uh, alternative medicine, natural medicine conferences. There was a group that I know that Norm worked with that were really pushing this. And look how they've been pushed underground these last two years. Let's hope they make a comeback because they do great work. Right. And uh, it's, it's so important. And, you know, maybe a, a true bankruptcy will help people look for more natural and a lot cheaper things. But, uh, you know, I was even just dumbfounded when I first started school and they had what the PDR was uh, physician's death reference and uh, everybody knew about that. But I said, 
do you get those things anymore? Oh no, you know everything. Everything, everything's there. You get your propaganda real fast, you know, off the computer. Yeah. But uh, that was there's so many, and I keep thinking, how many drugs are out there? You know that people are selling, and that that to, that to me is so disturbing uh, because there is the profiteering. I. I I think there's a lack of uh, social conscience, a lack of, of uh, you, know, you know, just be being decent people the way they're willing to sacrifice people's lives and fortunes uh, for them to make more money at this. Yeah. And that's generally the way it's been. It's a shame. But uh, I think the only option we have since we reject the idea that we're going to change things with violence, uh, we want to restrain the violence and change people's minds with ideas. And I, I, there are times when we see some tremendous success. I mean, I think that's, I, I've been reading some history about our country starting, and it was ideological. Boy, were the founders well educated, yeah. and they didn't have a government school to go to. Maybe that was the reason <laughs> yeah, they were exactly. educated. So, but it was ideological, you know, uh, and and that that to me is important. So ideas do have consequences, and if you get one going, unfortunately, if you get a bad one going, it spreads too. But if you get a good idea going. Uh, the saying is, you can't stop it, yeah. no matter how many times you get canceled on the internet. Right <laughs> now, those 20 very well-known people who have been canceled, they will become the heroes of uh, ho hopefully real soon. Yeah. Some of them are already heroes in, in the group of people who know who they were, yeah. and they stood up to it, and they didn't cave in and, and do what they were trying to pressure them into, to, to capitulate and play the game of the government putting out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to close with a clip, uh, a, a video clip, and it's, it's somewhat unrelated, but I think it's interesting because going back to the Ukraine-Russia war, there's always this idea being pushed, especially in Washington. I think it's, it's, it's breaking down now a little bit. I think the truth is coming through, but that somehow this was an unprovoked war by Russia into Ukraine, unprovoked, out of the blue. We've argued that it has a lot to do with the 2014 coup. Uh, we're not justifying violence or military action. We're trying to analyze and understand why things happen. Well, he, this next clip is Jen Stoltenberg, the NATO Secretary General. The guy is a real bad guy, a real thug. And here he is explaining that we have been giving weapons and arms and training to Ukraine since 2014, i.e. since the coup backed by the U.S. to overthrow their government. And so the thing is, if you put yourself in Russia's shoes and you see a country next door being armed and trained how to attack you from 14 until 22, obviously you're going to put your antenna up. And let's listen to Jens say this again. I'm not justifying anything, I'm trying to understand what happens. To step up support for Ukraine. Uh, as you know, NATO allies provide unprecedented level of military support to Ukraine. Actually, NATO allies and NATO have been there since 2014, trained, equipped, uh, and supported the Ukrainian armed forces. Uh, but of course, since the invasion in February, allies have stepped up significantly, and we also agreed um, uh, uh, a comprehensive assistance. So NATO is just a purely uh, defensive uh, alliance, and this all happened out of the blue. Ukraine, that is, I think, exhibit uh, A for why NATO should be disbanded. Boy, this boy, boy, that's for sure. And you know, they, he dated it, and we dated too, uh, 2014, because that was a precipitous action. Yeah. 
It was a consequence, but to fully understand it, you have to back up a little bit because there were uh, promises and pseudo promises and inference on how to get the Russians to give up uh, their their hold on Eastern Europe, yeah. and of course they they walked away. Uh, and the evidence is pretty strong that uh, you, you know the European countries in the United States, uh, Jimmy Baker, I think, yeah. was involved with in that, saying hey, we have no interest in putting anything up near your borders. Yeah. And uh, it is that distrust that starts, but it's the distrust that never even seeps into probably 90-some percent of the American people. Uh, even, the, even the coup, it's hard to, hard to convince people that. Uh, and, and I remember one time I got into trouble by bringing up in a little historical thing about how we started the mess in Iran, yeah. <laughs> you know, by, by us. Uh, you, you know, getting rid of their their, their elected leader. Yeah, the most so of them. Anyway, yeah. So, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to close by saying I'm going to be on the road today. I'll be, I'll be missing a few days, uh, and uh, going up to D.C. for the conference. And if you haven't gotten your tickets, you should probably get them. <laughs> Very good. And I will be getting there, but I'm going to have Daniel do all the hard work. I mean, he <laughs> has to go up there and get it organized. But I'm looking forward to it because we will see a lot of friends and new people too. And I'm always anxious to see if we get somebody that uh, is uh, just new into the issue and maybe still in high school and college. And we always get some and we always get some people from foreign lands. You know, we're very open to that. But I think one of the things that we talked about today that we have to emphasize and that is the combination of money and force and politics, and that is uh, business people colluding uh, with government. And it's been around for a long time. I can remember the very first time I ever heard about this is somebody told me once that it was the businessman that participated in some of the money and uh, equipment flowing to Hitler. Now, now, come on, that's over the top. Uh, do you have evidence of that? Well, I, I'm not going to cite any evidence, but that whole thing about business people making money off war, it's been around for a long time. And sometimes it's separated, and it's just an unmentioned thing that they collude and participate and serve each other's interests. At other times, though, it gets too close, and it, it becomes very fascistic, but uh, it, it's very much the, in the case of corporatism, that is, a mixture of corporations bending over, giving up what they believe in, hurting people for the sake of a buck. And, uh, and yet Mises taught that if you get into that category, if you have interventionism and it keeps growing and growing, serving the interests of a few special groups, that it will lead to a system that can be classified as fascism. Unfortunately, today, the word fascism is being thrown, along, thrown around a lot. And most likely, the people who throw it around the most are probably the ones who are the most fascist. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.